Hey, Founder Fam, before we dive into another incredible conversation, I want to share something really special with you. Whether you're just joining us or you've been following us since the beginning, you've been a critical part of our community working to change entrepreneurial education. I started Founder almost a decade ago with the mission to provide entrepreneurs access to the world's greatest business leaders. Our goal was to break down barriers to entrepreneurial education, and that's taken us on a journey from Founder Magazine to this podcast and beyond. And today marks the next step in that journey, Founder Plus. I'm proud to introduce you to Founder Plus, which is an all-access pass to each of our online courses and programs and their proven frameworks for success. It puts every strategy we've compiled from world-class instructors at your fingertips while connecting you to a global network of like-minded entrepreneurs. Founder Plus will take your business to the next level for today and tomorrow. So whether you've just joined our family or you've watched us grow from humble beginnings, we're really thrilled to have you join us in this exciting new phase of making the founder brand and this company the world's best entrepreneurial community to launch and grow your business. So finally, before we get into today's episode, I'm inviting you to come back, check out Founder Plus and go to founder.com forward slash membership. I'm really excited, guys. This is an incredible new evolution of entrepreneurial education, and our mission is really to get as many of these founders that we interview to teach and also give back on the Founder Plus platform and really go more in depth with the knowledge and the experiences and the lessons learned that they're sharing all in Founder Plus. So guys, please go check it out if you're enjoying these interviews. That's it from me. I hope you enjoy this episode. Now let's jump in. who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. 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 The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Steve Case, Gary Vee, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey, Founder fam. Welcome back to another episode of the Founder Podcast. Today, we're sitting down with Talia Dat, the CEO and founder of the Social Click and the Content Click two full service agencies that are focused on social media and content creation. So if you want to know how to dominate and monetize social media platforms like TikTok, as well as get a glimpse into a new founder course on content creation and monetization strategies, and if you're looking to level up your social media accounts, which you should be, then this one's for you. Please welcome to the Founder Podcast, Talia Dat. First question I ask everyone that comes on is, how did you get your job, aka how did you find yourself doing the work you're doing today? I mean, I guess being a founder is a job, but I mean, I've never actually thought of it like that. Um, Ultimately, I was at university. I spent a semester abroad in Sweden and came back and took whatever job I could possibly get my hands on, which happened to be in the insurance industry. Um, At that time... I spent maybe four or five weeks in that role before I realized the money's not worth it for me. I couldn't quite enjoy my time there. 
um, and decided to quit. And the day that I quit was actually the day that Tap to Shop on Instagram came about and it was making headlines everywhere. And I sat on the train home in 2018 and literally saw these headlines just coming up about these Tap to Shop sort of um yeah, tap to shop capabilities. And I went home, enrolled myself in a in a social media marketing course mm-hmm. and started to learn about the foundations of social media and how you could make money using this new tap to shop feature. Um, after about a month of learning and upskilling, I decided to offer some services to local boutiques for free. And once I started to make those boutiques money, we could see the direct sales coming through was the time that I knew that I could start to charge for my services. Um, Within four months, I had my first employee and we had signed a massive retailer, Riot Art and Craft. At the time, they had 80 stores across Australia. Um, and the, I mean, they were our first major corporation and, and from there we just scaled the business and consistently upskilled and, um, tried new things in order to lead us to the social click today, which is a full service social media marketing agency. Got you. So this is your first business. This was my first baby, first business. Yep. Um, we'll always have my heart. <laughs> yep. Got you. So when did you leave that? insurance company that you were working for did you just go cold turkey and then just start working on this social stuff or how did you know what was the plan so i was studying marketing at university at the time yeah um as well as a bachelor of global studies yeah so my whole life everyone told me i was going to be a politician oh which is i know now thinking of it quite ridiculous but who knows what's in my future Um, And so I decided to do this double degree of marketing and communications alongside international relations um, and politics. So I had essentially delved into both areas before realizing that marketing was the direction I wanted to go. Um, At the time, the universities didn't really teach you about social media marketing. Mm. And as someone who had spent the last six months traveling I'd obviously been logging my entire trip and I'd been posting and um, it was really that time that Instagram was taking off. Um, And so quickly it was about turning my passion into something that could actually make me money. Yeah, yeah, wow, awesome. So um, talk me through kind of your first major client, Riot. What did you guys do for them? How did you use social? And uh, you talk about like uh, the, you got a tap to... Tap to purchase, was it? Tap to shop. Tap to shop. Tap to shop. So that was like when Instagram allowed you to have these shoppable links, right? On a yeah. And so talk me through that. And I mean, it allowed you to go straight to someone's website from the actual Instagram post, which was the first of its kind. Um, and it meant that the transaction and the user journey and experience was so much easier than it ever been. Um, and I'd say that's when Instagram ads also really took off because everyone was trying to monetize the community that they had built for the past few years prior. Yes. Um, with Riot, I mean, it was an incredible story. They reached out to me. They'd heard via, via someone that I was offering these social media services. Hmm. They actually had no social media presence at the time. 
Oh. Um, and the best part about it is the artist community is so, so vocal and they're so interactive. Mm. And so we started these channels from scratch yeah. and built them to a following of like 12,000 followers within a number of months Yes, because everyone wanted to engage with our content. Yes, And what we did is we featured local artists and what they were creating with our product in combination with actually doing tutorials posting amazing sort of, um, yeah, tutorials and amazing sorts of flat lays on the different types of materials and the outcome that you can get. Yes. And so before we knew it, we had almost like the recipe of success with content. We weren't running any ads yes. and we were just organically building a massive artist community that yes. wanted to engage with our content. Yes. Got you. Awesome. So uh, you taught for the past four days, an incredible program on the founder platform. Um, what can people expect to learn from this program? Well, ultimately, over the last five years, I have established two digital marketing agencies, one social media, one in the user-generated content space, and invested as well as co-founded a range of e-commerce brands. And ultimately, I feel as though I have the perfect recipe in order for you to monetize your organic socials. Like we did with Riot in 2018, um, it's it's a different story now. Obviously, the strategy changes, but we're going to take all those kind of key lo learnings and pull it together in order to give the founder community the tools to do it themselves. Yeah, I love it. So what does it take? Like, you know, a lot of people that listen to this podcast would be early stages in their journey and they may have just launched their product and they're looking to build a social following and you talk about monetizing a following. Do you need a large following to make a significant amount of, uh, it will sell a certain amount of, like a large amount of products or yeah, talk me through that. You don't necessarily need a large following, but you need an engaged following, right? So, I mean, in my eyes, it doesn't matter if you have 2000 followers, 500 followers, a million followers, if you're not getting a level of engagement with your content, you're actually not speaking to them like regardless. So in my eyes, as long as you can kind of build that level of engagement with your community, that would be the best way for you to monetize it. Yeah. And how do you start? Like for people that are starting out, how do you start to build an engaged community? What What are the key pieces? I guess you got to <laughs> listen to my course. <laughs> um, I think Building a foundational framework ultimately is first and foremost. Like why are you 20% better or why 20% better than your competitors or why are you trying to build a community? Why are you trying to engage with this community? What's the key messaging, right? And establishing that first and foremost, yeah. I think really trickles through to everything else that we do. Um, and then from there, it's about consistency, of course, yes. posting and showing up every single day to make sure that you can build that sort of relationship with your followers um, in combination with creating amazing content and thinking outside the box, being different. You can't expect different outcomes by doing the same thing. Keep doing different sort of pieces of content and questioning different types of methods in order for you to build the best community possible and speak to them accordingly. Yeah. And um, one thing I find a lot of people struggle with is is actual the content creation piece, right? It can be quite intimidating. There's 
uh, there's TikTok, there's Instagram, there's Reels, there's stories, there's you know static images, there's all these different content types. How do you even know where to start and like even the tools to use? And I know you go through all this in the program, but like just for people listening, just even to get started, like what can you share just to help people? I think use the third party tools around you in order to assist you. You know, there's so many low barrier tools um, and capabilities. You just need to know what to leverage in order to make sure that you can get the job done. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you think about making a TikTok, right, it might seem super daunting or super overwhelming. I mean, even for me, when TikTok started blowing up and we were busy trying to pivot our entire agency to TikTok because that's where everything was happening, creating a piece of content on TikTok felt overwhelming even to experts. Mm. But then you've now got these like third party or low barrier tools such as CapCut that basically hand you a template and say, this is how you can make a TikTok. Mm. Um, And so utilizing those sort of tools around you, I think is going to assist you to be less overwhelmed and just take that time and invest in actually creating a great piece of content. Yep. So you said you guys are full service, but you specialize really in TikTok now. Is that, yeah? Absolutely. Yeah. We're seeing the results that we can get on TikTok compared to any other platform astronomically high. Like TikTok ultimately is the one-stop shop in order to build a community and monetize that community very quickly. Yeah. So let's talk about that. That's interesting, right? So um, the thing with TikTok is it's hard to get like that, that CTA, you know, you, you, there's not that many links. It's not, it's not like, it's not like Instagram, right? So like how, how can people, the following piece somewhat I can understand, but like the, the driving sales monetization, can you talk us through that? Yeah, definitely. So I think the best part about TikTok content is that it's super relatable to the people that it's trying to speak to, right? It's sharing a message that other people share. And so straight away, I mean, without you even having a call to action specifically, someone sees themselves in that person's shoes automatically, right? And I think that's the monetizing factor that makes the biggest difference is that you're essentially speaking to a a group of people that have felt that same sort of problem and you're providing them with a solution. Um, And straight away, what we see is people click through to profile. You see the way in which you can build a following much quicker because they're utilizing this sort of um, strategy with, with their content creation. And then from there, of course, you can have a link in bio um, or like a a link tree sort of concept with multiple um, links if you need. Um, TikTok at the moment also released a statement recently that they're they're rolling out the tap to shop and it's starting to kind of come to fruition. So I think that's what we can see next, which I'm sure is going to make also another huge difference to the whole industry. Can you give me some examples? Like tell me about some of your clients or, you know, business that you've invested in or worked with really closely from an e-com side that you've really helped blow up their TikTok and yeah, you don't have to talk exact numbers, but yeah, we'd love to hear kind of like just to give people an example what's possible. Absolutely. So one of my brands that I actually invested in, yes, um, Matcha Maiden, it's a matcha tea oh, yeah. brand. 
Um, it was previously started by a, another founder, Sarah Holloway, and then we essentially took it over early COVID. Oh, um, and as we took over Match Maiden, um, we knew that we wanted to pivot a little bit of our strategy to not be so founder related. Yes. And in doing so, TikTok was a big part of that. Yes. Um, essentially, within a few months, we had built a very, very strong following. Um, I think even... It was probably like seven or eight thousand at the time within a three a three month period, but it, I mean for TikTok in those days that was really huge. I mean today in comparisons probably not as much, and we saw an uptake in sales by a hundred and twenty eight percent in that three month period. Yeah, wow. Now TikTok didn't have a pixel, so we couldn't yes. say this is from like directly from TikTok at the time. Yes, but the fact that our sales increased by a hundred and twenty eight percent in that three month period was huge. And I mean, it continued to grow even after, for example, we pulled back some of our TikTok budget um, because we already had the community and we were already getting the results that we wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. So what did you do? Like talk us through like what you did when you took over that business and how, how did that come about? You said you invested like with some other partners or how did that work? Definitely. So the other partners had bought the business. Yep. They came to me from a marketing perspective yep. and I saw that and I said, I want in. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where the, the conversations basically started on how we could actually work together um, and, and build this company together. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a range of other owners. Um, I think most of them want to be anonymous. Yeah, but, that's okay. Um, yeah, we've, we've had a great, like, it's been a great journey because we've a been able to scale what was already a strong brand into multiple SKUs, into um, a huge social media presence, into consistently driving that community. Um, and I mean, it's one of my most proud, like I'm the most, it's one of my proudest achievements because we were able to scale something so great. I mean, year one, we increased sales by 70% overall, which is huge. And we've consistently been increasing that year on year. Yeah, well, and big driver is TikTok still to this day. Still to this day, TikTok really, really does make a splash. We use a lot of user-generated content. Obviously, um, I have the user-generated content agency as yeah. well. And so I have a network of over 3,000 creators worldwide. And we essentially utilize and contract these content creators to create content for us, whether that be recipes or days in a life or whatever that sort of looks like in order for people to resonate more to the brand. Um, and also it means we don't have one face to the brand. It's super, super diverse. We have a range of different people consistently featured on the page. And so anyone who hits our TikTok page can essentially see themselves in the creator's shoes. Yeah. So talk me through the UGC piece. So you started full service social media agency and then you started effectively a, an influencer marketing agency, right? That's what you call it or you don't like, don't like to call it that? <laughs> I wouldn't call it an influencer marketing agency. Yeah. With It's actually interesting. So with Matcha Maiden in particular, yeah. we paid this influencer, right, something like ten or $15,000 for a post and she delivered a range of different flat lays. Now, the value in that investment was obviously for her to speak to her community, but the content that she created, 
I wouldn't say was anything out of the ordinary. So the content itself wasn't something that we could actually utilize or leverage. Yeah. And so what this led me to think is, what if we had a network of people that really specialized in the content side of things as opposed to the reach or the the community side of things? Yes. They're great at creating a, an amazing piece of content um, and then you can essentially post on your own channel and amplify it in that way yes. and rather use that 10, 15K to run ads with it, you know? Um, and so that's where the user generated content agency came about. Gotcha. I thought we've got to create this amazing network. Yeah. We've got to have a range of different people in all different countries with different ethnicity, looks, feels, whatever it might be, and bring them all as part of one collaborative network in order to create content for the clients that we work with. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I understand. Yeah. And look, people don't like to call themselves influencers now. They're, they're, they're now called creators exactly. it's, it's influence a bit of a dirty word so um that makes sense like i remember my friend jake he started uh, a company called coconut bowls and uh, he grew that really fast through influencer marketing and i never forget he was the one that got me into instagram a long time ago and he he said to me like you know when when you send out products and you want you know, influencer creators to post he said yeah it's great if they post but really where it's at is the content hundred percent, and I, I, so I totally understand that approach. And then I guess if you just focus on the content, it probably doesn't cost you as much, right? Either way more cost effective, and you then get to track the amplification efforts. So if you're running ads with it, you can actually see who you're speaking to, track the views, track the engagement. Whereas an influencer, it stops at a, at a number. Yeah, and look, there's no doubt about it as well that when you're running ads, you want to have a good mixture of UGC, that kind of native TikTok style stuff that does really, really, really well. So talk me through kind of like anything that people could learn when it comes to working with content creators. What, what tips could you give people? Absolutely. I think knowing what your brand stands for, first and foremost, is the number one tip because you want to brief them and tell them to actually get the right sort of messaging across. Often what we find is brands will often copy other brands and you, what you'll see is that these content creators often end up creating content for this, the same industry, similar products, but same messaging kind of thing going on. Whereas if you can really establish who you are in order to work with a content creator, I think you'd be in a really good position to brief them accordingly. Um, for us, knowing that this creator actually believes in your product is another huge thing. Mm. Um, we have a network of over 3,000, but before we even reach out to any, we put out a call and say, this is the brand who's interested in working with the brand. And that's number one in shortlisting it. So you really want, you really, really want those brand, that level of brand advocacy or those people that actually, yeah, feel a connection to your brand first and foremost, to be representing your brand. Yep. Got you. So with your, I guess, network, is it like a two-sided marketplace or, or it's just like a, basically a, a curated list of people that you guys are consistently working with that you've vetted. And then if somebody wants to work with you guys, you guys will help find and 
basically brief and make sure the content is on point. Exactly. So, I mean, we've definitely looked at the marketplace sort of solution, but the missing piece is that our internal team at this point brief the content creators and actually leverage trends on TikTok or what we're seeing to actually, yeah, brief the creators accordingly. Got you. So a marketplace, often the brands left to actually brief, and that's where we see it doesn't work so well. Um, We have a full-time trend reporter as part of our team. Wow. When I started this agency, if you would have told me that I would be hiring a position called trend reporter, um, that is essentially her role. She scrolls on TikTok all day and finds what's trending or what she thinks is about a blow up. And that way we can actually make sure that the clients that we work with are leveraging trends well in advance. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay. All right. So you guys are playing a whole different game, right? <laughs> so so the trends matter when it comes to TikTok. Absolutely. So I feel as though the best strategy when it comes to TikTok is a combination of proactive and reactive content. So proactive content is the content that you can pre-record well in advance. Think like testimonials or product explainers or a day in my life. Um, Any sort of content that really is can universally be posted and it doesn't matter what sort of time you post it at. Whereas reactive content is when you see a trend and you respond directly to that trend. So if you see an audio on your TikTok for you page that comes up more than three times, that is a trend that you want to be on today, right? And so there's got to be that room and that element to actually identify the trend and then leverage it. Yeah, got you. And if you're an e-commerce business, I'm just trying to put myself in the shoes of people listening to this. Oftentimes you don't want to be in front of the camera right? What would your, what would your advice be for people? Is it mainly focus on UGC or is it to do more kind of flat lay stuff with the product and work with spokespeople? Is that the way to go? Or do you, do you think people have to be comfortable being in front of the camera, like using, flipping out your phone? Like what's your take there? I feel as though in today's landscape, the founder needs to be in front of the camera. I think ultimately that's what consumers are interested in. They want to know who they're buying for, what's happening behind the scenes, have that level of interaction. In the accounts that we run their TikTok accounts, what we're seeing is the content that's product-based, even a testimonial, Mm. does not perform as well as when the founder features, right? Whilst even though it does perform pretty pretty well most of the time, founder content always supersedes anything else. And so in my eyes, the founder, you've got to get in front of that camera to build a relationship with your community. Yeah. Got you. So what do you think the biggest mistakes are people are making? You talked about like not being in front of the camera, but what are some other things that people are making when it comes to content creation, monetizing an account or social media in general, Instagram, TikTok, whatnot? I think people are implementing strategies that were popular in 2018 and 2019 today, which the same equation just does not work. Um, When we look at social media. Sorry, can you give us some examples? Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think if you think about content in 2018, you would think of something being super curated and super perfect. Like I always use the travel example, right? You're traveling overseas 
the piece of content that you would create for traveling overseas in 2018 would be you standing outside the business class lounge wearing your matching tracksuit and having your matching luggage, right? Think of it very influencer type, right? Super curated and super unobtainable to the majority of people, but that's the type of content that people were posting and that's what was popping off. Yeah. Whereas today we're trying to be as authentic as possible and as relatable to the masses, right? Yes. So a great piece of travel content today would be a person, say, wearing every item of clothing, walking through security because they don't want to have to pay for luggage, right? And to the majority and to most of us, that's super obtainable, super understanding. Like we've all been there, you know, you've backpacked and you've had to just wear every item to make sure that, yeah, you didn't have to pay the overweight or pay for luggage, whatever it was. So that sort of content today is what people want to see. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode and learning a ton. As you know, in this series, we interview some of the greatest founders of our generation to find out how they did it. However, if you're thinking of starting your own business and you want to hear from some incredible stories from everyday people like you or I who are actually in the trenches, only been building their business for maybe one year or two years, like that are building right now and they're really in the early stages, but they're getting success. You should come and check out our new podcast from Zero to Founder, hosted by our community manager, Molly Flynn. These are in the trenches stories from our very own successful students that have gone through some of our programs. People just like you who are deep within the process of building their very own successful business. These are the founders of tomorrow. You can find the From Zero to Founder podcast on all platforms. And remember, it's founder without the E. All right, now let's jump in the show. When it comes to building that relationship, you talked about that relationship with your audience, relationship with your community. I guess the more relatable you can be as a founder or your content appears, then it's easier to connect, right? Definitely. I think... It's easier for someone to understand why the brand was created in the first place. You know, a a founder's vision is something so unique and something so, so true to that person's core, like what they believe in. And so that often will come across in the content without even having to try, you know, Um, because it just feels so natural to the founder to to come across in that way. So how can brands adapt to this new way of creating content so it's still on brand and it's not too ghetto right like you look at brands like apple insanely curated right like i don't know do you think like i've never seen have they uh, this style you talk i've never seen a brand like apple i don't know maybe like a nike like yeah talk us through like it's so interesting you say that because just this week Mm. was the first time i saw a piece of Apple, like a piece of content that Apple's put out that is super authentic, right? And native. It was an influencer, essentially, or a creator shopping in one of their stores for their mom. And it took this, like, it took us on a journey, the the person's shopping journey, which, yeah, for the first time, I mean, I haven't seen it to date. I've seen this content come through and now I'm thinking, okay, well, I feel like all brands almost have to adapt because yeah. they're being left behind. Yeah, I agree. So for someone that is starting their brand and it's just early days, 
how do you stay on top of like all the different channels, all the stif- different stuff you have to do? What advice would you give to people? Don't do it all. Choose one or two platforms as a starting point, right? Because I think if you have your hands in too many pots, ultimately one of those pots is going to fall. Like yeah. it just happens. Um, so rather choose a couple platforms that you feel like really resonate with your audience yeah. and then start to develop strategies in order to yeah leverage your community on those, on those platforms. Yeah. So when it comes to yourself, you would choose TikTok to start with or Instagram or both? TikTok number one, yep. right? And I would often say in terms of if you've got a limited budget, start with TikTok because it's the only platform that you can get your content seen organically by a wider audience that doesn't follow you without putting money behind it, right? So TikTok first. Yep. Okay. TikTok first. And then how would you approach the content creation and how often would you post? It's 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 a question everyone asks all the time and there's no perfect answer. You know, if yep. we could all post three times a day, I'm sure we'd love to and yep. it would be great and we'd get that level of engagement. But realistically, I think it's not feasible for the average founder to be posting at that level of frequency. Yeah. So I say at least every two days as yeah. a starting point um, to make it a manageable sort of way in which to go about your content creation. Yeah, got you. And do you like batching, like the concept of batching where you could create like a couple of weeks worth of content or like how, how do you approach that piece of the puzzle? Absolutely. So my whole course is about creating content a month in advance. Wow. Right? Wow. Second forget. Okay. Yep. But only for those proactive yeah. sort of components, yeah. you have to still put some time aside for those reactive content pillars and the trends that you're going to have to create on a week-to-week basis. But everything else, there's no reason why you shouldn't start the planning process a month in advance. Yep, got you. Yeah, and I guess when it comes to the reactive stuff, you have to really be native yourself on that platform to understand what's trending, what's happening. Can you talk to me more about like why that matters and how much of a difference that makes? Because if you're employing somebody full-time, it must be like, such a dull mover. (laughs) It's honestly what sets the average TikTok profile apart from those that are actually going viral, right? You you cannot go go viral without utilizing trend-based content on the platform. So for us, it is essential to our strategy to make sure that we're utilizing the right sort of audios, the right sort of transition, the right sort of templates in order to make the biggest impact on the For You page. Yeah. Um, and for us, I mean, we've got a full-time person doing it, but for the average person, it just requires 10 to 15 minutes a day of scrolling on social media and thinking about things differently. Yeah. I always tell people that it it's so easy, right, to actually scroll on socials. You do it anyways. It's, I mean, most of us wake up, we jump on our phone, yeah. go to bed, we're on our phone. But if you can look at a piece of content and ask yourself, why did that stop me from scrolling? Or, oh, this audio feels a little bit like jingly or trendy. Or why did this piece of content actually make me click on the profile? Start to actually really deeply think about the content that you're seeing and it will change your content creation abilities. Yeah, got you. So 
what's the largest amount of views or the most viral piece of content you guys have made on the platform? We got 8.5 million views on a piece of ASMR butterboard inspiration. It was a food food talk, basically. Yes. Um, it was for a meat company that we'd been working for, and we created an ASMR piece of us putting together a, a catering-type board, and it just popped off. Everyone loved it. It was a new concept. Yes. And before we knew it, the, our For You pages were filled with the same sort of content. People loved it so much that they started to replicate it with their own products as well. Yeah, wow. And can you talk us like for any dollars or like what that equated to? I can't, unfortunately, in this case. Um, but what we do know is that for that particular brand and that Christmas, they sold out of products two months before Christmas. Yeah, wow. Okay. Crazy. Wow. Awesome. Um and that came off starting a trend, but kind of tapping into the ASMR type trend. And, and just for people listening, can you sh explain what that is? Yeah, it's like um, an audio sensory sort of concept is the best way to describe it, mm. where you really get to hear every movement that's happening in the video. Mm. In this case, we didn't completely start the trend. It was popping off a little bit in America, yes. but we were the first to kind of bring it to Australia. So our trend reporter managed to see what was happening in America in this particular food space. Yeah. Um, we'd seen a couple videos, not so many. Yeah. And decided to replicate it. And before we knew it, I mean, every Australian food brand was basically utilizing that same butterboard concept a a as a trend. Yeah, that's cool. So you talked about, I think it was CapCut, right? What other tools? What other tools you like? Oh, I, well, I love CapCut. Yeah. ChatGPT owns me at this point. Oh, what do you what do you do with ChatGPT? Sometimes we'll get uh, our scripts and our captions written up in ChatGPT. Yep. So, I mean, essentially, you need to like brief the platform and what we call dating it. Like, yes. Tell it everything it needs to know about this spe specific brand. Yes. And then from there, it will be able to. You can ask the questions or ask it for content ideas you can ask it for a caption a script whatever that sort of looks like and it will yeah essentially generate it now do i think everything that they that chat gpt tells me is perfect absolutely not yeah. but it's a starting point so sometimes if you're just feeling stagnant in your ideas it just gives you that little booster or that little bit of inspiration to take it to the next level yeah i think like chat gpt in general it's good it's good to get something, but you, you have to be a really good editor still. Yeah. That's, that's the key. But you can move way faster if it's helping you. Absolutely. And you can think of, it helps you think of things that you might not have thought of yourself. Yeah. Any other tools you want to share? Canva, of course. Yeah. It's okay. a, a great content creation tool. Yeah. Um, would be another one that we, I mean, as our agency utilize quite a lot. Yep. Um, I use iMovie. I use the TikTok editor. I yep. use the Instagram editor. Um, you can now download Instagram reels that you create in app without a watermark, which is also another big game changer. So I'll see, I, I think the social media landscape will move towards the real editor, download it. And then of course, 
upload it onto other platforms as need be. Yep. So do you guys, with your content creation agency, do you do creative purely for paid advertising or purely organic? We do a combination of organic and paid when it yep. comes to user-generated content creation. Yes. Um, so it's very much about having people in front of it. Yes. Um, and we essentially utilize it organically by bulk producing content. So it would be like one creator will create five TikTok videos at any given time. Yes. And from an ads perspective, we really we utilize the creators via a shot list. So we don't get them to actually edit the 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 piece of content. We just get them to shoot a range of, um, yeah, raw footage, and then our internal team will edit it into a, a finalized ad. Got you. So, do you find that the organic native TikTok style, if it works well on the TikTok platform organically, it can work well as a paid ad, like a paid ad. Do you find that? Yes. That, that's a thing that we've seen as well. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I mean, so interesting. I don't know what it's like today, but six months ago, we A-B test the same piece of content on utilizing Instagram ads. One had the TikTok watermark and one didn't have the TikTok watermark. And the, t- the one with the TikTok watermark on Instagram ads outperformed the same video without the TikTok watermark oh, by 20%, yeah. right? And it was like, I think people just saw the TikTok watermark and they felt like it was more authentic mm. and just more relatable overall. Yeah. And you talked about um, scripts. So a lot of this content, it is scripted, right? Wait, does it always have to be scripted or...? You have to let the content creator do what they do best, which is create content. Yes. But at the same time, you have to get your unique selling proposition across. So I would be looking at a combination of, okay, a script to some point. Yes. Yeah, give them that. I mean, we call it 20% discrepancy. Yes. And let them do what they do best. Got you. So there's tools that you can use right like a teleprompter like a lot of people don't know this there's a teleprompter apps that you can use just to shoot the video right and then use something like a calcutta you make it really cool and like edit it and stuff like that right so um when it comes to scripts and and lengths of videos what what's a good length how long's a piece of string yeah. <laughs> or how long does it take you to get your message across is the real question yeah but I mean, for us, I think 15 to 30 seconds is the ideal piece of content if you can get what you need to across in that time. Yeah, 15 to 30 seconds, that's short. Very, very. But it means that you know that you'll have a full level of engagement, right, for that entire time. Often when it's longer, I feel like you you do lose your consumers. Somewhere in there they've, they've zoned out or they're thinking about something else. 15 to 30 seconds, they're 100% engaged. Yeah. So there's a lot you have to cover in that 15 to 30 seconds. You talked about getting your selling proposition in there. Are there any other key principles that you guys are looking for or always making sure have to get into a video or it just depends? It depends on the video. Um, as part of my course, we actually unpack what I call the ultimate content piece. Mm which is where you start with a hook. So a yeah. hook needs to occur within the first 
I mean, statistics say 1.8 seconds. I don't think that's possible. Yes. 1.8 seconds, realistically three seconds. Yes. You can get a hook across. You then introduce a problem. You'll then introduce a fail solution. Yes. And then you introduce the real solution, which would be your products. Yes. And unpack almost like a demo and the benefits of that pro- that product. Finally, and then finally kind of include a CTA. If you can include all of that in 30 seconds, you're killing it. Yeah. Wow. I was going to say like even 15 to 30 seconds, that's a lot to get in that time period. Cause how long does like a, how long is a TikTok? I, I don't even know. How long are they usually? It, it could be anything up to 10 minutes now. Oh, really? Yeah. So that you can actually have that long formed content, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's the thing. I, I don't, I don't go on TikTok as much as I'd like. Because it is so dangerous. Like you go on there and you find yourself just like an hour's gone. It's just like, oh my God, what the hell, what the hell just happened? <laughs> That's me every day. <laughs> yeah. But I call it market research. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 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 Um, but ultimately that, and that's, that's the benefit of TikTok. Yeah. There's something special, but it's, it's, it's crazy. Consumers are being just like drawn into this vortex and they don't leak. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it it is a really, it's one of the fastest growing platforms. Like I don't don't even know the stats. Is it, is it the, out of all those social platforms, is it the fastest now? Is it growing faster than Instagram or not? Yes, definitely growing faster than Instagram. And it's become the number one search platform for, for Gen Zers, which means it's even outperforming Google at this point from actually responding to searches. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if you are even a restaurant, not if you're not even a product-based business, you're a restaurant, right? Yeah. Or you're a, a tour, or a certain sort of tour or, or something. Service-based. Service-based. Yeah. Ultimately, people are looking for you on TikTok now. Yeah, They're wild. not even looking for you. In- that is crazy. I didn't know that. So people use it as a discovery platform to learn. Absolutely. And TikTok's about to introduce this concept of keyword bidding, right? Which yeah. is essentially the Google system. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so in that search bar, you can now pay to play as yes. well and come up as one of the first searches um, on the platform because they know that that's the direction this is going to keep you. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay. Because that's the thing with TikTok. There's, you've got your memes and you've got your dances and all these other things, but it is it is a discovery based platform and also a platform where you go to learn things. Like there's a lot of things that you can learn from there where people are teaching things or there's these crazy products where you can learn one about, you know, as an example, I'll give you an example, like apparently the water that comes through in your shower, is like really, really bad. And then there's this product that helps solve that problem. So you're effectively learning something. And then, like you said, for your framework, insert solution. Right. And so, um, yeah, people are going there to learn. I didn't realize at that level, though, people are using it to search. That's crazy. Exactly. And I think even that learning piece is so important when it comes to content creation. People want to understand why you as a founder created this product. And it's because you had the problem in the first place. You experienced that issue in the first place. Um, and so I think that that's the important element that when you're creating content, think to yourself, how can I get my message across or how can I get my experience across? Yeah. Yeah. Wild. So there's TikTok, there's Instagram. 
What about other platforms like uh, Facebook Organic? Is that is that a still a thing or Twitter? No, Twitter. Twitter's massive. You guys don't do anything on Twitter. No, YouTube. We do bits and pieces on YouTube. Yeah. Often for more of a male-based audience. Yes. Um, and we do a lot on YouTube Shorts. Yeah. We are going to leverage YouTube. Yeah. Um, as an agency, we do not do much on Twitter at yep. all. I feel like that is definitely an in-house sort of role because you need to be responding to tweets. Yes. Um, and it often needs to come from the founder's voice. Yes. Um, Facebook is an interesting one because had we had this conversation five years ago, it was very much a huge part of our strategy. Yes. Today, I mean, I guess it depends on who your audience is. We still feel like advertising on Facebook Messenger really performs well. Yes. But Facebook Organic is not somewhere that we're essentially investing in. Um, we'd prefer to put our efforts into TikTok or Instagram at this point. Got you. All right. So we've got a, a pretty big masterclass on, I guess, everything social, monetizing social, TikTok, all the different platforms. If people want to know more, they can find out. Oh, this incredible program. We don't even have a name for it yet, but we will call all that stuff out. Uh, but yeah, that'll be coming soon. But um, where do you, what, what's next? Like, where do you see yourself going as a founder, the, the social click, the content click? What's next for you guys? It's interesting because we initially had been looking at other sort of platforms as what, from a social click perspective, what that would sort of look like and we haven't found a platform that we really feel like is the next big thing mm. um, but we do see the AI kind of playing a big role in our content creation activities and the way in which we engage with our communities having more of that real life experience as sort of the next steps yes um, from a user generated content perspective I think we're just on the, at the beginning of it yeah. you know we're just going to see it essentially take off. And I feel as though brands that aren't leveraging user-generated content are going to be left behind. Um, and it could mean that creators actually become more a part of a brand, right? So, for example, you have takeovers of channels and things like that in which the creator does become the face for a period of time as well. Um, as a founder, for me, I mean, I'm just also getting started, um, but for me, it's about looking at new opportunities, always kind of upskilling myself and learning new things. Uh, I spend personally 30 minutes a day learning something new every single day so that I can essentially utilize it in my current day-to-day -day or potentially look to start something new or, yeah, create something new along the along the ride. Yeah, and... So you're still on the tools. I'm very much so. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah, look, you, you run a social media as you have to, right? That's That's been an interesting journey for me because um, as founder has grown, I've found myself kind of getting off the tools, but I do enjoy it. It's, it's, it's this really difficult transition. The thing is, is as a founder, like when you get off the tools, you're able to look at the big picture stuff differently, mm. you know? Yeah. You can kind of just take that moment and really strategize that vision. Whereas uh, I know one of my downfalls at the moment is how much I'm on the tools and it's something that I am consistently working on, but it's only because I actually love being on the tools that I can't stick yeah. away. Yeah. Uh, but one day I'm going to be able to really take almost that bird's eye approach and, and, and yeah, start to think of, 
the the greater vision as opposed to being on the tools. Yeah, and I'm sure you'll get there, but um, we'll have to work towards wrapping up. I'm going to ask you a couple more questions. Probably the first one is what parting words of wisdom would you share with our community, early stage startup founders, people that are just about to launch something, looking at launching something or recently been working on something only for a couple of years, e-commerce service, whatnot, but mainly e-commerce focused, uh, what would you share with them? Just back yourself, I think. I feel as though that level of imposter syndrome or just doubting your next steps is what actually is the reason why most startups fail, right? If you just back yourself and that gut sort of instinct and take that leap of faith, I think you're going to be that one step ahead of everyone else that is almost taking a minute and questioning things all the time. And how have you backed yourself? Like, is it, was it always, were you always this confident, always kind of just? Like, no way at all. <laughs> I can speak from personal experience that it's probably one of my biggest personal journeys is like really saying, okay, I've created this or I've been able to take this journey. Like, you're actually an expert in this area or you're actually doing amazing things, you know, because often you just doubt yourself or you compare yourself or you're questioning things. So I think ultimately my biggest, yeah, the the biggest thing that I want to work on is making sure that I'm backing myself 100% of the time. And I think today it's, I'm a different Talia as to what I was five years ago. Had I just dived in or maybe not held back five years ago, we could have also been in a different position. So I think, yeah, just really take that sort of um, internal confidence and whatever that looks like for you and and build that in order to drive you forward. Awesome. And then the last question is, where can people find out more about yourself and also your two agencies? Absolutely. So you can find me personally on Instagram and LinkedIn. Talia Doubt is my handle on both platforms. And then, of course, on um, for the agencies, we you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, um, LinkedIn, uh, any social media channel at the Social Click or at the Content Click. Um, and feel free to reach out. I'm always open for for conversations and discussions. Awesome. And we've got an incredible program launching with you soon. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in-depth on teaching a particular topic and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.